This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, what am I going to bring to you today? Well, actually, I'm going to bring to you um, pretty much what I, what I felt God put on my heart about seven weeks ago in the time of worship. And God has so got hold of me over this message that I hope my facial expression doesn't show you that I'm a bit nervous and actually I'm going to live and breathe this because I don't think I've ever picked up a scripture and read it so many times and God's dealt with me in so many different ways over this scripture. And, and we know that the words in the Bible are God-breathed, don't we? And God has captured my attention and the chapter I'm going to read, or half the chapter I'm going to read, is filled with, first of all, desolation. Then it's filled with massive challenges. Then it's filled with wondrous faith. Then it's filled with power. Then there's a relationship with God in it. And then there's the sovereignty and the majesty of God in there. And then finally, at the end of the chapter, there's this marvellous piece about restoration in the church. And God has so captured me. And I, God's dealt with lots of things in my life. And I just hope there's something that comes out of this that will speak to some individuals here today. That's my heart's cry if you like so can I just pray before I kick off Father God you know Lord that you've excited me so much over this passage Lord and uh, I pray that Father you'll cause me to bring it in a way that your Holy Spirit wants it to land as it were Lord and and I can try and stand up here and be eloquent Lord and you know that's not me at all but Father I pray you'll take the words that I've got and you've given me Lord and I pray they'll reside in people's hearts today Father I pray that we will be changed from the moment we walked into the moment we leave this building, Lord. And we just say, Holy Spirit of God, would you fall upon us right now? Would you give us ears to hear the word of God this morning? I ask it in Jesus' name. Okay, so I'm going to be speaking on the Valley of Dry Bones again. So let me just read you the scripture first of all. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. He led me to and fro amongst them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the bones, I saw prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. 
and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. So if we just put, very quickly put this, this passage into the context of what the nation of Israel was going through. The northern kingdom had been split and divided into two. The northern kingdom had become as name as Israel and the southern was called Judah. And the northern kingdom had quickly forgotten its devotion to God and God had sent the Assyrian army to defeat them. And the southern kingdom lasted a bit longer in their devotion to God but after a time they too became as wicked and idolatrous as a northern kingdom. And then we find around about this part of the passage that Ezekiel, the prophet, the man of God, God's chosen prophet at the time, is speaking to God about the situation. And this message is a message of restoration and a message of hope for Israel as a nation and ultimately for all the people on the earth and I believe for us today. So I wonder if we can just put the backdrop up for me, James, please. Fine. So if you'd like to pour some water on that, that'd be great. So when that appears behind me, could someone nod their head? Thank you very much. Okay, so what I want to look at basically is if you put yourself in Ezekiel's position here, God had, the Lord had said to him, I want you to walk around these dry bones. And what do you see? So when that picture comes up here, and what I'm going to ask you is what would you say that you saw? So think of a valley that you might have been to. And I was thinking about well, maybe Dovedale. That's a good valley, isn't it? Massive sides to it. Yes, there's a bit of river in there now, but imagine that as a dry riverbed. And it's full with bones. And God says to you, what do you see? What do you think you might see? So this is what we call audience participation time, you know what I mean here? So you've now been led by the Lord to look at these dry bones, very dry bones on the ground. What do you think might come to your mind? What words might come out when you look at it? Grave. Fantastic. Grief. Sorry, you're going to answer up the question? Dead. Death. War. Yep. There is, there is some conjecture in the scripture whether this is actually a physical battlefield that was left or whether this was just in, in the spirit. But it does talk about the slain in that, in that chapter, so you can assume that actually this maybe is a battlefield. So wherever you look, basically, there is desolation around, isn't there? Okay, and then I guess when it looks at here, it says, um, he led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Why do you think the scripture would say the bones were very dry. And I think, actually, what we're trying to say here is that actually there was no use to those bones whatsoever. It wasn't just that they were bones and maybe there was a bit of marrow left in them. Okay, so imagine yourself walking around there. You're Ezekiel. Now walking there, you've walked around this valley many times and you've looked upon that desolation. And I wonder what you might be thinking there. We've said all the words that might apply to that particular slide, I think. Horror. Yeah, maybe horror is another word. Yeah. So these bones were very dry. And I guess what, what we're looking at here is that actually maybe what God was saying to Ezekiel is actually there's no physical way that these bones here could ever have any life in them, could ever be brought back to anything meaningful. They are dead. They're past any hope of life. And I think that's why it says they're very dry bones. So... And then there's a very strange story, a very strange question that God asked. Son of man, can these bones live? Well, again, Ezekiel's standing here and is asked that question by God. Can these bones live? 
Now, Ezekiel is a, is a man of God and he's walked with God for probably about 30 years at this stage in his life. And even he's thinking, well, that's a very bizarre question to ask me, God. Well, quite obviously, you can see, Lord, there's no way that these bones are ever going to be any use to anybody. Now, maybe if it's, maybe if Samson got hold of a jawbone there, a donkey's jawbone, he could slay a thousand, but there's no jawbones there of a donkey, I don't suppose. And maybe if this was today, maybe would some of those bones would be turned into fish blood and bone meal for your garden. But I don't think they'd use human bones, but there we are. But in those days, there's no use for those, is there really? So strange question. Son of man, can these bones live? A provocation. Some sort of trick question. And in the natural, I guess the answer would be no. But Ezekiel had experienced many wonders through God, and so therefore his answer was a little bit interesting. He said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now that was a bit like a a tennis game. He's whopped it back over the net, 15 all. Not going to answer it. Sitting on the fence here, Lord. Um, I could say there's no way, Lord God, that that's going to be anything less than what it is now. Or he could have thought, actually, I've seen God working in, in my life before. And maybe, just maybe, God's got some intentions for these bones. And so he sort of he hedged his bets a little bit. And I wonder if you and I sometimes wrestle with God over issues of faith and hopelessness. I certainly do. And when we've maybe prayed for someone for healing and we've seen no outward change. Or when we're desperate for that member of our family to have an encounter with Jesus that would change their lives. And nothing seems to happen. Or maybe for that persecution at work to stop. We've prayed and we've prayed, but it seems to get worse. Now, wrestling used to be a big sport in the 1970s and the 1980s. And I don't know how many of you would have remembered this. But Saturday afternoons, as I was a lad, used to switch on the black and white TV set, wind it up on the sides. And on there used to come this guy called Kent Walton. And his opening statement was, Greetings, grappling fans. Anybody remember those times or just me? Thank you. Thank you to Old Poundgate. So there's at least two people here I'm speaking to who know what the heck I'm talking about here. Right. So, and then there was fantastic characters. I was looking them up on, on the internet a couple of days ago. There was a guy called Giant Haystacks, yeah? He was 40 plus stone, okay, in a wrestling ring. Can you imagine that? He, he was actually a devoted Christian and he would never fight on a Sunday. Well, I don't fight on a Sunday either, so that's good. But anyway, um, he was a devoted guy. But, and you imagine getting into the ring with a 40 stone man and him falling on top of you. Actually, the breath of God just might have been just taken out of you at that stage. And then there was another guy who was only 38 stone, so a mere, mere strip of a lad called Big Daddy, yeah? Now, his, he was actually christened as Shirley Crabtree. Now, Imagine that as your Christian name. And if you met him in the street, um, uh, hello, sir, rather than hello, Shirley, it wouldn't be good. You know, probably call him Big Daddy, wouldn't you? And then there was other guys called Kendo Nagasaki. Remember him? He used to walk, wear a mask. He was a fantastic wrestler, but everybody wanted to try and take the mask off and find out who he was. So I think that towards the end of um, Kendo Nagasaki's career, um, I think he actually was Big Daddy that actually managed to almost knock him unconscious. And, though, and the crowd were baying for him to take, take the guy's mask off. And so he managed to get his mask off. And do you know who was underneath there? No, nor do I. So anyway. Um, um, and then, then there was some um, other guys called Jackie Palo and Mick McManus. They're all sort of well-known names in the, re- in the wrestling thing. But the one type of wrestling that I loved more than anything else was a thing called tag team wrestling where there was two of you on each side, much more exciting. And one of the guys was in the ring fighting the other opponent, while the other guy was hanging on to this piece of cord, which just allowed him to lean into the ring. And if the guy in the centre was getting a bit pummeled, he could reach out and touch this guy on the side, and he'd jump in, 
and come and support him while the other guy got out. And tag team was the best thing in the world, really. I love that. And then there was the Royal Brothers, Vic and Burke Faulkner. Yeah, I remember them. Okay. okay, moving on. So I actually, when I was thinking about this, I actually think I'm a great Christian wrestler. I am. I'm a great Christian wrestler because you have a problem. God gives the problem and I take it back and I give it. And I make some suggestions to God about how he could deal with it. So God, I've got this real problem. And, and I give it away, and then second later I've taken it back, and, and I'm thinking, well, God, the last time we went through this, I, I, maybe you did it this way, maybe that would be helpful for you to understand God. And so I'm wrestling with God over this thing, really getting nowhere at all. And so then I'd throw it around the ring a little bit, yeah. Um, we'd give it a half Nelson or a Boston Crab. We'd give it a forearm smash and realise the opponent or the problem just hadn't budged at all. And I must admit, actually, my son's not here today, is he? That's good, okay, I'll tell you a story. To my horror, I suddenly realised when the kids were younger, when my boys were younger, I used to do wrestling moves on them. Shocking, isn't it? Because in those days, we didn't have the naughty step, so we had to revert to other sort of means of keeping our kids in the control. So a Boston Crab used to be ideal to do, actually, because you used to sit on the back and pull the legs up and they couldn't move. Fantastic. But I must publicly apologise to my son if he was here. That Actually, it's probably stained him for life. But anyway, Boston Crab, in fact, I used to do it to... We had a friend that came around with a daughter. He said... I really need to be arrested uh, for things I've done in the past. But anyway, it wasn't his discipline. No, no, no. It was fine. But I, you needed to practice some of these moves that some of these great wrestlers were doing. But I find that, you know, I can wrestle with God over issues in my life until the cows come home. And I won't get any further. It's not until we actually say, God, I can't deal with this and give it across. That's when God says, finally, you've realized that I'm sovereign God. But the scripture talks about wrestling. And it talks about it in Ephesians 6, verse 12. And in the King James Version, it says, For we wrestle, and stroke struggle in the NRV, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers. And I just think, how unfair is that for the principalities and powers? Because actually, we're a tag team, aren't we? Us and God. But when God gets in the ring, he doesn't, doesn't bring himself. He brings God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit enters on our behalf and so actually our opponents now got three people in the ring and us outside it well that's a no-brainer for me because who's going to win that one absolutely no doubt about it but it's all about the battlefield for our mind isn't it actually in the christian walk it really is about the battlefield for our minds and god would bring that again this morning really and it's almost like when when we allow ourselves to read or understand the wrong types of messages, we have to get back into God's mindset. We have to renew our minds on a daily basis. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's, that's exactly where we are. The old has gone and the new has come. It's a rag to riches theme, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. And consequently, God's perspective is not our perspective. We see through a glass dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. And God sees our potential. If only we'd walk in the good of that. Sometimes we miss the point. So don't let the enemy directly or indirectly write you off in work situations in unis, in your family. Don't let the enemy write you off. We're running a race, aren't we? We've been called to run a race. Paul exhorts us to run the race. But he also exhorts us never to look behind. And so I speak to 
disappointment here this morning. I speak to desolation and I bind it in the name of Jesus. If you've come from a situation where people have spoken about you or speaking down to you, and you take another one, maybe you, you were at school and someone said to you, you're never going to amount to anything, you're no good. Maybe you were never picked in the sports team at school and maybe that's really stuck with you. Maybe you got through uni and you just don't seem to be able to make the friends. Maybe you've moved into life and you think, actually, in my work situation, I'm never put on a project at work. No one seems to understand my capabilities. And actually, that can be really damaging for you, really hurtful. And, and uh... But God says, don't look behind. Don't look at the disappointment. We're running the race. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus. We're running towards the goal, the price. We're called heavenwards. And God's power is far greater than we can ask or imagine. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So imagine that on the third day, if you could. If in your mind's eye, you can imagine what that was like. God raising his son from the dead, defeating sickness and sin, restored him to his rightful place in heaven. Wonderful power. That's the same power available to us. The same power that raised Lazarus from the dead. The same power that released the captives. The same power that brought the blind their sight. The same power that made the lame leap for joy. That's the power available to us as God's people today. The sovereignty of God. Can these bones live? You bet they can. Will my situation change? Yes, it will. Because God choose, chose the foolish things to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things to shame the strong. And the lowly things and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. We find that in 1 Corinthians. So if you're feeling foolish today, if you're feeling weak today, if you're feeling lowly or despised, praise God. Praise God. That's really important that you've reached that point in your life where actually I don't think I've got much to bring to this party, Lord God. But God will use you to nullify to bring to nothing the things the enemy will throw at you. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come back to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying there was a noise and a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone and I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them but there was no breath in them. So that's the part of the story we've reached. And I was mulling over this actually when we went to cricket on Friday and if you've ever been to Derby cricket ground basically there's Six massive floodlights around there. They must be, I don't know, 100 feet plus, each one of them. But I wondered, they weren't always floodlights, were they? they, they delivered, when they were delivered on, you know, when the, the construction team turned up, they were, they were a pile of metal and wires and bulbs and glass, etc., etc. So they were pretty much like that. No use to anybody in, their, in that format. But then the construction crew started to work on them, I guess. And they started to build them together. And then they put them up and they put the light bulbs in. And that was great. They were... They were not a floodlight, they were a flood, because there was no light in them. They were a flood at that stage. And so, actually, what they was missing was the power. No, the electricians hadn't joined up the power, and that's sometimes what this scripture is talking about. So the floodlights, no power, no plug, no power, no use. With us, no prayer, no power, 
no use. And in the scripture then, it talks about, and then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. Son of man, prophesy over these bones. Jubilee Church, get hold of the word of God and use it mightily. God will change situations. Do you believe that? Do you honestly believe that taking the word of God and using it will change situations? Because if you don't believe that, we've got a way to go. But I believe that you do think that's right. Why? Because from a valley of dry bones, from a valley of desolation, God put the thing back together again. They stood there without any breath in them. Then God breathed by his spirit into them. And those bones became a vast army. We need revival in our individual lives. And an old time preacher was once asked, how can we have revival? And he replied, take a piece of chalk and draw a circle on the floor around you. Then step inside the circle and pray, Lord, send revival within this circle. It starts with you and I. It starts with us. Revival will never break out in Derby or in the town or the village or the street you live in unless it started with us individually first of all. James 2 verse 14 says, Faith without works is dead. Let faith arise this morning and our enemies be scattered. Amen? We cannot be passive if we want to see God at work. So what do we see when we look at the valleys in our own lives this morning? Are there areas of desolation and hopelessness? And I don't know what my future holds, but I state with complete certainty that I know who holds my future. Let me read that again. I don't know what my future holds, but I state with complete certainty that I know who holds my future. It's my sovereign King and Lord. When you think it's over, God asks, did I say it was over? Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's not over till God says it's over because a marriage can come back together, a family can come back together, a business can come back together, a dream can come back together, hope can come back together. Why? Because it isn't over until God says it's over. There is hope and there is a certainty in God. Going back to that illustration of the wrestling thing, Defeat was to throw in the towel. I wonder today, have you thrown in the towel on some aspect of your life, in your marriage, in your family life, in your job situation, in your health? Have you thrown in the towel? I want to challenge you this morning that God's got other plans for you this morning. There is a hope, there is a certainty. He's a sovereign God this morning. And you might think, actually, I can do no more, God. I've thrown in the towel. We've already said that's exactly where God wants you to be because at that stage when we've done everything we possibly can of our own physical selves, that's when God breaks in by his spirit. So I wonder if the band can come back up, please. It's a short message in line with our new summer series. I'm leading the way here. And I guess I could stand up here for ages and talk about that, what God's got hold of me for, but actually it's not about eloquent words, it's not about loads more scripture it's about what the Holy Spirit's doing in your lives as you sit there this morning basically and I just feel that um, there's going to be people out there that really need to 
come and allow the Spirit to minister them. And I am aware that when I brought some of this word about seven weeks ago, lots of people came forward. But actually, I was um, reminded by my eldest son a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about Julian Adams, who many of you will know, basically, who stood at the front of the church, a great prophetic guy. And Julian Adams always goes forward for whatever God has. If he's not actually bringing the service or taking the service, whenever he's at a service, no matter what the altar call is at the end, he always goes forward because he wants whatever God's got for anybody. And we had a lady in our old church called Doris, and she always came forward at the end. And actually, you could look at that and say, oh, Doris, when are you going to get it? When's, gonna, you know, when's, you know, when's God finished speaking to you? But actually, she was the Charlotte of the church. She was the most wonderful intercessor I think I've ever bumped into. And she just needed to come forward and get filled with God, filled with God, so that she could go out and stand in the breach for other people in the church. Now, I know that if we got Charlotte up here, and said, you know, what do you feel God's called you to? It's all about prayer for Charlotte. She's intercessing on behalf of this church day after day, and we love her for it. And I don't know where this church would be if we didn't have people like Charlotte in the middle. But we need people intercessing, but we need people to be totally filled with the Holy Spirit as well. You can't do what you do in this life without God totally filling you up time after time. So please do not let disappointment stand in the way. Remember, the breath of God and the word of God restored a vast army. And I very simply want to pray for people today that have lost hope, that have thrown in the towel. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in another family situation, maybe in your finances, maybe in your health. Do I believe God's here in power today? You bet I do. I honestly really believe that. And the way God's dealt with me over the last seven weeks on this one, I don't think it was just timely I brought it. In fact, it was the leadership team that said to me, you've got to come back into the church and bring that today, really, because actually we didn't get a chance last time to really unpack this. And Kevin brought a word this morning. God delights in receiving you, or sorry, in rescuing you. Do you want to be rescued this morning by the Holy Spirit? Do you need to be rescued? Are you in a place of hopelessness and desolation? Do you just need that touch of his wonderful Holy Spirit this morning? The Holy Spirit delights in us. He broods over us. God broods over us. He loves it. He wants the best for us. And so I'm not going to spend any more time up here trying to persuade anybody to do it. If the Holy Spirit's on your case, then I'm just going to ask you to come down the front. Simple as that, really. And we're just going to gather around and pray for you. This is a family, isn't it? If you're not from this church, if you're not normally here, then that's what we do as a family. We gather around each other when we're there suffering and we just help them out. We pray for them. We give practical application. Um, that's what it's about in church life. That's the way that I understand church. So if we can, Adam, if we can sing through a, a, a song of some sort and then as Adam starts to sing, if you'd like to come down to the front, I'd love to pray for you and others would love to pray for you. Praise God. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.